1987, I was uh, offered an opportunity to go to Zambia to visit a missionary that was working with the Shelburne Street Church of Christ. And so Steve Mann and I made a journey there. We were there for about three weeks at the end of uh, November, first part of December. It was supposed to be their rainy season, or the rainy season was supposed to begin. It had not begun. It was extremely dry. It was an extremely hot trip. And I, you know, I just went and thought, well, we're going to go and visit a missionary and encourage this lady, and it would be a blessing to her. It absolutely changed my life to go there. And not just my life, but the lives of many, many people have been changed through the trip that first took place in 1987. One of the things, one of the blessings that came out of all, all, all of that is that Robin and I have Megan. And the only reason that we have Megan is because we were able to go and experience all of that and to be in touch with that situation very directly. And it's no exaggeration to say, not, not at all is it an exaggeration to say, that Steve and Joan Mann are directly responsible for saving the lives of hundreds maybe thousands of people because of the mission that they have undertaken in Zambia. Zambia Mission Fund Canada is bigger than Stephen Joan Mann. But there's no doubt that Stephen Joan are the are the core of that. They are what has begun a great work among God's people. And so not only have they done all of that, but they brought a little girl directly into our lives. And the only reason that Megan is part of our family is because Steve and Joan ministered to us and ministered to a lot of people and made that possible. And so today, we have a chance to hear from two people who are, are not just those who have done some mission work, but those who have given their lives to people a half a world away because they love them. And they have poured themselves into this in such a way that, as I said, hundreds, thousands of people have been blessed because of their work. They're going to come and share with us today uh, about the work that Zambia Mission Fund Canada does in Zambia. This church is directly involved in that. They're actually going to, I, I won't go into all those details because they're going to share some of that and show some, pic, show some pictures of that. And we're going to be greatly blessed today. I am so grateful that the two of you are here. And they do deserve a round of applause for their work. Well, I was going to say all that to Kelly. I'm just kidding you. Um, Greetings from the Church of Christ in Shelburne Street in Victoria. Um, And greetings from the people that this congregation has helped in Zambia. And um, before I forget what I was going to say, and Kelly's already said some of it, uh, we are here to thank you for your involvement. Uh, Calgary Church of Christ has been a significant contributor um, to the good things that have been happening in Zambia. 
and many of your congregation, or a few, I should say, have actually gone to Zambia and worked there. And um, I'm sure you're familiar with who's come and gone from there. And I think that there is somebody in the audience that's very glad that there's a connection um, with Zambia, and that's Faber Simongwe, who was born and raised there and knows way more about Zambia than we do. But um, he got himself a Canadian wife. They live in Cochrane. I think you know you probably know them, and three beautiful children. So, um, Faber, feel free to correct me in anything that I say about Zambia that's not the way you see it. <laughs> uh, many people have asked us uh, how we got involved, and uh, Kelly's touched on it. Come from a small congregation that didn't have a lot of money. Um, Kelly was the preacher for our church in Victoria. Uh, We hired him when he was 27 years old. And when he was 30 years old is when we made the journey. So um, our church thought, well, you know, if we just uh, were small, we can only afford uh, one missionary if we cut the salary of our preacher in half. And then... uh, We'll be able to swing this. Anyways, that missionary girl wrote a letter back to our congregation. She said, I'm, I'm in, uh, in a village um, four or five hours north of Colombo, Zambia, and I am with two albino uh, girls, um, born of black parents, but to be an albino in that country is, from my viewpoint anyway, a curse because the sun gives you sun cancer. And so Wendy Charco asked our congregation in a very moving letter, could we not send zinc ointment and bonnets and sunglasses and vitamins and look after? She said, no two little girls should have to suffer the way that these suffer. And so that prompted Kelly and I to um, load our suitcases and and go there. And as a result of that trip, um, we ran across an American lady that was looking after some orphans in in her home. And um, I asked her if we could help her, and she said, well, you could take one if you want. And I said, okay. Um, I thought, you know... We're so blessed in Canada, and um, so we decided that, uh, I said, well, which one? And she said, well, Tanya there doesn't have anybody, and um, and we heard her story, and maybe some of you have heard her story, that she was um, uh, born in a cornfield, and her mother... Um, wasn't all there and abandoned her and she was a full day and a full night with her placenta on and uh, she survived and she is a survivor. She's now 23 years old and um, then um, we've also raised another Zambian um, who came to us as an 8-year-old but the girls are both 23 so our history of Zambia goes back at least 23 years 
and um, uh, we've been blessed by uh, raising them in our home. We realize that the orphan problem in Zambia is um, it's overwhelming, really, and um, <clears throat> we always say we can't we can't fix Africa, but we can fix a little tiny part of it, and we chose to do that. Um, that little part where our two daughters came from. And um, so, um, really, I think that our whole adventure was, um, to me anyway, and to my wife, it was based on Scripture, that um, there's um, there's 41 verses that talk to us about um, looking after the widows and the orphans. And so we would say, when we look back on things, that we probably made a lot of cultural mistakes in the way that we handled things. Um, poverty is a huge issue. Um, there's lots of books been written on it. Um, there's one called The Bottom Billion. And, um, boy, you know, there's a lot of people in Zambia that live on less than a dollar a day. And so we, I think that we have a responsibility as Christians to share what we have. And um, I'm not going to read the passage because you're all familiar with it, but um, Jesus said, um, you know, I was hungry and um, you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. And you remember the verses go on. And you say, how would you do that? Well, because you did it the least of these you did it also to me. You're familiar with those verses. So so sometimes we feel we've blundered and made mistakes, but it was in trying to do what God has told all of us to do in, in Scripture. And so, um, again, I just want to thank you uh, very much for your participation in this work. And Joan and I are going to show um, the slides, and you will actually see where your money has gone and where your um, building efforts have taken place. And um, you can hopefully through this slide presentation, you can see the results of, of your efforts. And so again, we thank you very much. Zambia is in the southern part of Africa. It's um, turquoise on this big map. And there it is a little closer. Our projects are in the town of Coloma, which is in the near the bottom on the uh, right-hand side of the, the yellow map of the country. And uh, really, everything is based in, the, in a very small area. And it's about uh, it's not far from Livingston, Zambia, which is a um, place you might have heard of, a lot of uh, tourism there. Uh, just a little bit of background information. It was northern Rhodesia when I went to school. It's been independent since 1964. English is the official language, although it's not the most uh, spoken language. Most all Zambians uh, speak a mother language, a Zambian language first. Christianity is the official religion, although um, there is still uh, the uh, indigenous religion or witchcraft is still very, um, very prevalent. Population. Uh, 11.8, not not overly populated. Life expectancy, 38 years, which ranks uh, Zambia 223 out of 266 countries. 
and uh, a little bit smaller than our province of BC. Uh, we often fly into Lusaka, the um, capital city. Here we are with Holly Iden. You might remember her, I think. Uh, probably a lot of you remember when she lived here. This is, yeah, we, I've put together pictures from a number of different trips to try and tell a story. And this is uh, a shot from Colomo itself, little town of Colomo, which um, this is part of the market. And uh, it's a lovely little town. Our mission statement, to bring the love of Jesus to orphans and disadvantaged children in southern Zambia. And that is the main thing in, in every program. It's, this is the main thing. We stay in this house built in 1997. And uh, it's, it's our home away from home. It's also used by other uh, groups as a medical mission that goes each July. There's a Harding study abroad group that uses it uh, for three months and uh, other people visiting often stay in this house. Um, this is a bit dark. Okay, it's fairly civilized. We've got indoor plumbing and uh, kitchen and even some help in the kitchen on occasion. We sleep under nets because of the prevalence of um, mosquitoes and malaria. And it has a nice veranda. This is this year's trip, and uh, in front of the veranda, you'll see some crushed rock, which was delivered last year in uh, a very traditional way. Um, and this, uh, this is Mildred and Ian, who look after us while we're there. And uh, Mildred is a, a wonderful translator. She's very, um, very, very helpful. And Ian works um, mostly outside. And uh, this is them doing the laundry there. Very, very uh, good and helpful people for us. Um, this is just to show you really how in this part of Africa, life is um, very simple and, um, and it's very hard too, I think. The women still transport water this way um, for the most part and uh, they, um, I, I still haven't figured out quite how they can do that, but um, with a baby on the back and a bucket of heavy water on the head, but this is, this is just how life has always been and, and continues to be. A typical uh, home in Zambia is a, um, a group of small buildings that um, would be a bedroom for the boys and a bedroom for the girls and another one for mom and dad and also buildings for um, feed for the animals, etc. Here's another shot here, cooking done outside much as they've lived um, for hundreds of years. Uh, one of uh, Our programs are mainly focused in two directions, that being education and orphan care. And in the area of education, we have uh, two programs, one of which is the development of community schools, and I'll highlight a couple. And this is the, the couple who really have, uh, are the driving force behind these programs. Uh, Shepherd from Y and his wife Ruth. And Ruth is from Peru, but they uh, they live in Zambia. They met at ACU and married and now um, work in Zambia. And this is Sia Balumbi Christian Community School. And you'll see the church building there in the, in the, in the picture. And, and they, they, the way that they build the community schools, they always begin with the church, begin, build a church, not just the building, but the actual the real church, 
in the hearts and minds of people in the community. And out of that um, will come a school. Uh, this, is, um, this particular one was funded by a school in Victoria. And um, the, we, the schools are built to Ministry of Education standards, so they um, are three classroom blocks, and they're built according to the ministry standards with the right materials. So they're, they're built properly. And uh, this one has two classroom blocks. Here we are inside. We did some painting inside a classroom a couple of years ago and uh, had some fun with that, just to give them an idea of what they could do. And uh, we left all the brushes and the stencils and ideas with them so um, in, in the hopes that they would carry on doing more of this in their own, in their own schools. And uh, this is another block. We found this school in 2004 um, learning. They had a teacher. This is the teacher. And uh, they were in a more or less mud and thatch roof building that was leaking. It was raining this day, so it was raining inside and out. And uh, the kids were, they were still trying to have a lesson. There weren't many that, that were in school. You can see what they were sitting on and uh, trying, to, trying to learn. And uh, so Ruth had decided that um, these kids needed a proper school. And so, um, and she set about doing that with the community helping and uh, this is just the goalpost. They love to play soccer. This is the end of their soccer field. We built proper um, pit toilets. And, and also, we have to build teachers' housing because that's part of the package. The, um, the teachers have to have uh, houses. And so uh, along with the classroom blocks, there's the building of houses to house the teachers. And a duplex for teachers. Another one under construction. You can see there's a lot of building going on to build the infrastructure for these schools. But they do belong to the community, and uh, you really want them to participate so that they feel like they are their buildings. This one is Katungu, which has been uh, um, significantly supported by, um, by Calgary. And this was taken in 2005, how we first found the little school um, just really struggling, as you can see. How can kids learn in that kind of an environment? And uh, so, um, again, Ruth um, was familiar with the community, had built a church there, and decided that this was another place that really needed, that where the children really needed some help to get an education. And uh, so this is the actual classroom block that Bob and Terry worked on. Um, a few years back. It's the second one that was built. This is the first one. And uh, this, uh, this was a, a highlight of this year's trip for me, was to see um, these kids engaged in, the, in learning in their lessons and to see just how far they've come in um, terms of um, the, the teacher teaching and the kids responding. And um, I mean, this, this classroom was just alive with learning this day, and that was a wonderful thing to see. These desks have come in containers from Victoria, and uh, they are just desks that are given away by the um, Department of Education because they're re being replaced in Victoria, and so we get them for free. And there's Ruth. This is actually in the classroom block that Terry and uh, Bob helped with. 
and uh, she was doing a spot check this day, just making sure that the teachers were doing, that the lessons were prepared, and uh, and just checking on the kids' learning. She'll pepper them with questions just to make sure that everything is on track. Uh, again, this is inside the um, that classroom block built um, 2000 and seven, I guess it was. And uh, this is our first group of grade nines that will be graduating from this school. And uh, this is um, at Katungu, a teacher's residence under construction. The community here are helping to break up the stones and uh, they, um, they, they come along and they help and they do as much as they can. And uh, here they are. And as well, there's a sponsored student program and uh, we started with three students um, in 2000, and now uh, we've got 147. Um, it's always in, a little bit in flux with new kids coming in and some kids leaving. But th this is a program that's different than, for instance, World Vision sponsorship, sponsorship Program, in that these kids are given funds to go to a specific school, and we pay the school directly for certain students. And they have to be academically qualified. And, and we, we try our best to make sure that these kids really are coming from families that cannot pay their school fees. A lot of the kids do not have parents. A lot of our high, in fact, most are in high school. And they go to Colomo High School, which is a large boarding high school, government school. And uh, we love to go and worship with them. They have a classroom that they worship in on Sunday mornings. And the students themselves put this worship service together, and they're, they do a wonderful job. Uh, but spiritual development is a, a huge part of, of this program. On Saturdays, they volunteer for a few hours uh, in appreciation for their sponsorship. And uh, so here's some of the girls one day helping out and weeding in a garden. Um, sometimes they'll wash windows, this little girl. <laughs> I didn't think she could do it, but Mildred knew differently. And uh, um, so she just kind of popped around all the windows and cleaned them. Uh, this is this trip. Sometimes our sponsors, our, our people will come with us who sponsor kids, and they get to meet them, and that's always a, a real joyous time. And when the volunteer time is done, they get a, we have a, something to drink and uh, a bun, a couple of uh, buns, and uh, and, and or, or yeah, this is uh, their maze. They love the maze. They grew they grew that themselves as part of their education, and so Saturday mornings they would uh, tend to the fields, and they got a good crop as you can see. And they tried to do it farming God's way. Maybe some of you farmers have heard that expression before. It's a way of organic, sustainable farming. Um, orphan care at Seven Fountains Mission. Uh, there's two houses that are very near each other. One is called Tendai House, and this is um, these are the parents Wilson and Nancy Ciazilo. And Steve and Kelly met Wilson on their very first trip in 1987. He's a wonderful man. He's been a headmaster at a um, another um, basic school nearby. And this is another place where Calgary has significantly helped. Um, you provide a lot of their work fund each month. And they look after five children in addition to their own and some children related to them who have been orphaned. But there are five that, um, that they look after that they're not related to that we provide for. We have struggled with what's the best way to help. And we've 
thought that perhaps education was the way to go and give them a, a leg up. That's a horse term that Gary Zorn would understand. And um, let them do it themselves. And so by having Wilson and Nancy live in a house, uh, then these orphan children will be raised in a family setting, not institutional, uh, and, until they're independent and go to university or whatever. And we find that those children thrive a lot. And um, Joan will show you the baby care, and the baby care really is just, um, you know, a desperate attempt to provide food, food and clothing for them. But we're not real sure that's the best uh, method for for handling the uh, horrendous amount of orphans in Zambia. So um, these two kids, it, it, all of these kids have got stories, and I just don't have time. I wish I had time to tell you all of their stories because some of them are pretty. Um, Pretty amazing, but these uh, this is Chivo and Demalu who, who live there with Wilson and Nancy. This is Willie and Memory, and there is another young man named Holy. And next door is Kasinza House, where Rod and Sue live, and um, they primarily look after babies. And Sue has a wonderful gift for um, taking in a fragile. Um, sick baby and um, or premature baby and just um, helping them to thrive and to survive. Here she is accepting a little fellow. And uh, there have been many kids who have come in for short-term care and have gone home as toddlers who are healthy and, and strong and, and able to return to their grandmothers or aunties or fathers. Here we are here. Of course, this is where I love to go and hang out. This is this year. There's a, some busy little toddlers. Here's some of the ladies who work there just sorting through clothing that had come from a container and uh, getting ready to put it out into the, the bedrooms. And uh, we took a group picture last year. And uh, it's a bit of a um, logistical challenge to get everybody out and uh, dressed and uh, in a picture. But anyway, we did it, and, and it was quite fun. And uh, this story wouldn't be complete without a picture of Roy and Kathy Merritt because, really, the orphan care all began with Kathy. Kathy is who looked after Megan and uh, and our daughter Tanya and Luke and uh, many others. And she continues to do that at um, at Namuyanga Mission. And uh, so we just really appreciate um, her heart and and, uh, how she just had this vision um, or maybe just responded, uh, not, not even having a vision, but just knew that she had to do what she had to do. And uh, so there are many, many kids alive because of her. Now, at Seven Fountains, it is a working farm. Um, it's a cattle ranch, and we bought this with the hope that um, it could develop and be a source of locally generated revenue to support uh, the orphan care costs. And so we're still working to get the infrastructure where it needs to be. But There's um, 6,080 acres, and it um, came up for sale. It shares a boundary with Namuyanga Mission, which is where we'd been visiting for probably 15 years. And, um, and we thought, you know what happens if we get hit by a truck someday? You know, we'd like the work to carry on, 
and uh, so we thought it, it could be sustainable if if we could sell enough calves each year to fund the orphan care, then we could get away from, you know, importing money from Canada and let the Zambians um, be successful in looking after their own orphans. And so the farm has really been a challenge. And we've been, you know, I think we were naive when we got into it, but it, it, came with two houses that you've seen already that are full of orphans, so um, I think it's been a blessing to the people that way. There's my uh, brother Ross, the great white Buana. He hunts everything. <laughs> he actually ran over that with a, about a five-ton vehicle, so uh, he, was, he was never, <laughs> never in any danger. Um, at the farm, we've built a, a preschool. There we go. Um, and uh, it's a lovely school, and uh, it, it serves the um, kids who are in care as well as the children of the staff because there's a, there's a number of farm staff and uh, orphan care staff. So all the kids go to preschool here. And uh, here's Ross. We painted this uh, place a couple of years ago as well. Michelangelo. Uh, containers. In Victoria, this is how they look when they are being packed. Um, you know, you fill every every square inch. You don't want any wasted space. And uh, and then in, they're offloaded in Zambia, and you have a bit of a mess at first. And then this particular year, we arrived right after a container arrived, so we spent some time organizing what had come. And then over the period of maybe a, a year, um, slowly things are um, di distributed. And, uh, but meantime, they serve as a safe. Uh, we've got four on the farm that just stay there for safe, for secure storage. Oops, back. This is one that Sue Calder uses for her baby supplies. Whoop. Baby bundles. Um, Victor, I, we did this yesterday um, here in um, near Calgary, and uh, we make a few up in Victoria as well. This is the nurse and. Namuyanga Clinic, who is um, the one we send them to, and she oversees the distribution of them. She and uh, a couple of other nurses deliver dozens of babies each year, and there's no doctor. They just do a marvelous job of um, delivering these babies, and uh, they give a bundle away to each baby. And uh, we happened to be there this year um, to see two twins who were all bundled up with their baby bundles, and uh, they were t all just decked out in pink from head to toe, and uh, they were two lovely boys. <laughs> and uh, this, where we are is two hours by car from uh, Victoria Falls, and uh, like one of the seven wonders of the natural world, and they are in Indeed, awesome, and so it's just a joy to visit them and to just regain that sense of how awesome and powerful our God is. And uh, so here are the falls, and um, a lot of tourism here. The falls were named by David Livingston. And this is our niece, Rebecca, who is here this morning. I think it's she's a first-time visitor to this church. With no. Not, not not first time. I think she told me first time, Joe. But you, you're the detail person. I know it. Okay. 
So um, that's a nice picture of her, but wait till you see the next one. <laughs> Rebecca spent a month in Zambia volunteering at a hospice. And at the end of her trip, um, she celebrated by jumping 300 feet off of the bridge, <laughs> bungee jumping. So um, this is an option as well if you get to visit Zambia. <laughs> Whoops. This, this and here we, we took Wilson down there, to the... Sorry, I just wanted to oh. finish this one off. This clicker isn't working. Um, so Rebecca jumped, and um, I, I actually Steve had to take the pictures. I couldn't even get over to the edge to look down myself. But um, the guy on the left is being lowered down to, to fetch her. And, uh, but she survived. And uh, <laughs> this is... You know, there's this juxtaposition of first world, small bit of first world and huge um, developing or third world side by side. And it it can be difficult to kind of get your head around, but we um, sometimes will have tea at a hotel in Livingston. um, And uh, so here we are having tea, having just left where we were. And uh, it's it's just a bit of a challenge. Um, A lot of Zambians have never even come that far south from their villages like and so uh, Wilson and I had a tour around this opulent hotel and they have this little velvet book in the bar and for a thousand dollars you can have one ounce of cognac from Louis the XIV's wine cellar, if you can believe that. And Arnold Schwarzenegger signed the book, so whoever has a drink. So, yeah, like Joan says, two hours north you have, um, you know, the poverty of orphans, and then you have, um, you know, the richness of this five-star hotel. Um, And not far from there is the, the, um, the... joy of seeing more of God's creation in the, um, the wildlife. And uh, lo- lots of tourists come here and just enjoy the wildlife and the falls. They never get to meet the people of Zambia, which is such a shame. Yeah. And we'll finish with a sunset picture on the Zambezi River. And, uh, thank you for listening. I just want to say one more thing while I have the opportunity. You know, um, when Kelly and I went in 1987, um, it's one thing to see your preacher at the front of the church and see him on Sundays and whatever, but when you live with a person and you've gone 15,000 miles away and you live with them for two weeks in a one-bedroom kind of thing, you really get to know the person. And I just wanted to share with you guys who your preacher really is. He is what you see. He's no different. No secret life. And, uh, and so I think that you can be pleased and, and proud, proud to know him because he's definitely a man of integrity. And I never caught him doing anything wrong. <laughs> Thank you, everybody.